Hello, and welcome to Blood, Sweat, and Smears, a podcast produced by Machion Diagnostics. In this podcast series, we will be discussing thrombosis and hemostasis from the perspective of our host, benign hematologist and medical director of Machion Diagnostics, Dr. Brad Lewis. Please remember to subscribe and leave a review. With that, I'll turn it over to Dr. Lewis. Brad, take it away. Hi, this is Brad Lewis from Machion Diagnostics with another podcast on coagulation. Today's podcast is in response to a number of questions that have come in regarding hypercoagulability and the COVID-19 virus. Sorry to bring you more information on COVID-19 at this point in time. Lots of questions have come up. Fortunately, like so much with COVID-19, I have a lot more questions than I do answers at this time. Starting with things that we do understand, it's clear that you don't want your patients coming to the clinic or even to the lab any more than they absolutely have to because of potential infectious risk. This brings up the question of for those patients who are on warfarin or Coumadin, uh, should they be home tested? Clearly, home testing um, seems to improve the outcomes generally, and that may be a real option for many patients. It also raises the question of extended duration of testing, uh, noting that a number of guidelines now recommend perhaps even waiting as long as 12 weeks, but only for those patients who are very stable on their Coumadin. For patients who, because of metabolic disorders, congestive heart failure, drug therapies, for example, are constantly varying their INRs, these are not patients who are uh, good candidates to be receiving extended duration testing and should probably be tested much more often, perhaps every few weeks. It also is a time perhaps to reconsider the change to DOACs. Even for those patients doing well on Coumadin, you may want to minimize testing by getting them onto a DOAC. The next question is, what's the impact of the COVID-19 virus on coagulation itself? Again, we don't know a lot. It's clear that inflammation will increase the INR for those patients who are on Coumadin. It's also clear that anytime a patient becomes sick, there may be some disruption of coagulation, most notably a DIC type situation. There is some data coming out now from China primarily regarding the incidence of DIC in patients with COVID-19. Tang in the journal Thrombosis and Hemostasis had an article about the clinical presentation of COVID-19. Interestingly, he found that the D-dimers were quite predictive of survival. D-dimers were elevated in 70% of the non-survivors. D-dimers were only elevated in about 0.6% of the survivors when they first presented. He noted that DIC was much more common in the non-survivors, but the protime itself did not appear to be predictive in, in his series. And not surprisingly, ferritin, elevated ferritin, elevated LDH were also found to be predictive of survivorship. Again, reflecting the degree of inflammation the patient has and presumably to some extent the degree of DIC that they're developing. Similar data came out of Zahn's article in The Lancet also uh, coming out this year. Both of these serve as markers of poor prognosis. They may be useful in triage. They may also be useful at some point down the road if it turns out that there are drugs that are valuable in those patients who have progressive disease. Perhaps the D-dimers will turn out to be a marker of possible progression of this disorder. What about other markers of hypercoagulability? There is a small series that looked at autopsies on patients dying of COVID-19 and found microthrombi in a number of these patients. This is quite consistent with DIC. I don't know that it necessarily tells me what to do in terms of my management of these patients. The author raised the question of should these patients receive anticoagulation when they develop severe COVID-19. The idea is interesting. Anticoagulation in patients with DIC has been a moot issue to say the least. It's not 
clear which direction that is really going to take the patient. At this time, that is not something that anyone is recommending. The last issue I think I'd bring up here is there have been a number of reports of patients presenting with COVID-19 and developing pulmonary emboli, which were not recognized quickly enough or even not recognized until not post-mortem. Obviously, it's difficult to diagnose a pulmonary embolism in someone with an acute respiratory distress syndrome and with a CT scan showing diffuse disease. And uh, clearly, the, the possibility of thrombotic disease also confuses things a, a little bit. I don't know that I have a particular suggestion to make here. Obviously, the D-dimers are not going to be useful in this setting, as they aren't in almost any uh, situation in a critically ill patient. But it does raise the question of keeping up your index of suspicion for pulmonary emboli in those patients with COVID-19 who have an acute deterioration that does not seem to be consistent with the course of their disease previously. Obviously, patients with COVID-19 are, are all going to be at high risk for pulmonary emboli now, because of the population itself. Many of these patients will be older now, because of their critical illness, as well as because of the DIC that they seem likely to develop if they have a, a severe case of COVID-19. So again, we have a lot of information here yet on COVID-19 and hypercoagulability. No one is at this point suggesting monitoring coagulation as a general part of the management of these patients. Although again, D-dimers may turn out to be a way of monitoring, of evaluating prognosis, and also of perhaps of knowing when the right time to intensify therapy is. Again, thank you for listening with us, and I'll talk to you soon at the next Meiji on Diagnostics podcast. Thanks. That's it for us here at Blood, Sweat, and Smears, a podcast produced by Meiji on Diagnostics, your reference lab and CRO specializing in thrombosis, hemostasis, and rare disease. Thank you for listening. And if you have a question or comment, or there's a topic you'd like Dr. Lewis to speak to, please send us an email to blood, sweat, and smears at machiondiagnostics.com. That's M-A-C-H-A-O-N diagnostics.com. You can follow Machion at Twitter at DX. Be sure to subscribe to stay in the know, share this podcast with clinicians you think might appreciate it. And we hope you'll join us next time here at Blood, Sweat, and Smears.